So this is life in black and white. <laughs> yeah. Come to a weird realization about what that was. Mm. I think that he really liked the idea of me mm. more than he actually liked me. Mm. Because if I go back and I think to certain instances where I really could really rely on him. Mm. And then after a while, I couldn't anymore. Yeah. And because again, like to talk about that situation, we need alcohol. But there were periods where I, there were things that I did not tell you because I still can't speak about them. They're so traumatic for me. Right. Um, they're very traumatic because I'm like, how did you go from someone I felt very, very safe with because you were there for me in very low periods of my life yeah. to borderline it was like a 180 do you know what i mean where i'm grappling with the idea so i'm like you really like the idea of who i am and i'm very ambitious i know what i want i set a plan for my life and i go after it and it's almost like that thing you're going to conquer this thing and then you make all these promises mm -hmm. and i'm going to believe you right mm -hmm. where you say that this is who well, i am you have no reason not to believe. i have no reason not to yeah but then you attain this thing and then it just becomes too much for you and then you almost act out, you know, it's, you mm. say to me, it doesn't bother you that I'm slightly older than you and that I've achieved a little bit more. But then in every conversation that we have with yeah, it's strangers, strangers. Mm, I realize, no, man, this person brings a certain thing up all the time. Yeah. Or um, you see that there's a level of safety. I noticed that he liked to watch me struggle. He did. That's so no, he, he enjoyed, it was like a power thing. He enjoyed seeing me struggle. Like, because there was a point where I actually couldn't rely on him anymore. I would rather phone my brother and ask so him So it got to, to the help. same point as your previous relationship. It got to the same point. And when I do introspection now, I'm like, you didn't actually like me. I think the person that you liked was the person that I, like the person how our relationship ended, that mm. person. That's the person you probably liked, but you didn't like me. Um, I think you thought you did, but you didn't. So all those things about me that you said you liked, mm. the things that really irritated you about me. And I could have just gone about my life before I met you. And yeah. you, you being the reason that I need to heal now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes me think like what kind of... It's like a, I don't think what... It's not narcissist. It's slightly narcissistic. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, because again, to, to my point, do you know that he would bring up that instance, um, that low period? Mm. It would come up in conversation that I was there for you. Like he would benchmark that during those low periods if he did something really fucked up. Like you can't leave. Um, it's almost like a way to, That's to remind me. Like emotional blackmail. Yes. Like you can't leave because like I did this and I did this. And I'm like, but what you've done is equally as fucked up as that actually. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was, I think about it sometimes, I'm like, hey, what's the first time I'm hearing about achievers? There are things that I could not tell you because of how protected you are as mm. a person. Like, Nikki will love you, hey? So, because ah. I knew that you really liked him as a person. And mm. I didn't. So from what I saw when we were around you, and when, yeah, when he was around, you were around, I loved him. I thought he was great. He's a good actor. Mm. He should have gone into performance, you know. But I also think that he thrived off chaos because of how he grew up. Mm. I don't think that he... I think peace made him very uncomfortable. 
That makes sense. You said the marriage his parents had was not a good it was one. volatile. It was volatile, very dysfunctional, it was toxic. Yeah. And I think that he that's where it's like he learned from. So that's that's what that mimetic behavior. Yeah, yeah. Because as soon as things are peaceful, it, it's almost like his brain didn't comprehend, you know. And I didn't like the personality. So yeah, actually, it sounds very self-destructive. It sounds like he has a lot of work he needs to go through because, you know, there's people that go through moments where they think that they're not deserving what they have, and then they like press a self-destruct button. I used to be quite self-destructive when I was young, but around 25, you know, when everything's all fucked up. Mm. So you know, it was always that like self-destruct button because you don't feel like worthy, so you just fuck it up. But don't fuck up other people. Yeah. Like there's an there's emotional work that you need to do, and I'm not saying everybody's emotionally intelligent because emotional intelligence is work, right? Mm. You work on it consciously. Don't self destruct at my expense, and don't do your self work at my expense. I shouldn't be the I shouldn't be your lesson, or yeah. like I I don't want to be anybody's lesson. You know, like love me like the pure intentions that I went into in that relationship should be reciprocated. It shouldn't be thrown back and so a lot of people when they enter into relationships they don't know what they want until they're in it and then they realize that maybe it's not what they want or need then communicate yeah but also not everyone is good at communicating so string me along yeah i don't know i think maybe i don't even know i'm not trying to defend i'm just saying mm-hmm. that like you see it happens so often like we've seen friends of ours be in literally like the worst relationship in the world where we're like this guy is an asshole mm-hmm. and treats you like shit leave and she was just hooked it's hard to leave like it's hard to leave situations like that i understand why she's there because you still need to convince yourself and you need to mourn it like go through so many stages of grief within that because those people are so emotionally manipulative like they'll give you like a high right Mm -hmm. that like will supersede the low that you just experienced and then a week later the person's different again so you're constantly on this roller coaster playing catch up with your emotions because then you almost justify like oh my gosh, is this the same person that did this? You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, are these the same people? And you just get so stuck, friend. I completely get it. And then it takes you seeing a situation or snapping out of something to mm. go, actually, this isn't for me. But it also takes an on- honest conversation with yourself regarding yeah. it. You have to be have a very, very honest conversation. This is why personal nights are good, because then you get to learn to be with yourself, talk to yourself, mm. figure you out. Yeah. Even in relationships, you should always have personal nights. I fully stand by it. It was mm. the best having two nights with me. Mm. That's the mistake I made. I stopped having me time mm. when, when I was in my life. Also, when you're in a relationship like that and you don't have your me time, you end up losing pieces of yourself because you, you, do, don't, you don't come back to it. So it slowly strips away bits of you, you do. I think. Um, not saying that like, every relationship does but i'm saying if you're in something like that you need that's why it's most important to have your personal time but even in a relationship just not saying to just so that you're always coming back to yourself because i know i started feeling out of balance when i didn't have a personal life for a long time and then when i did it felt like everything was clearer again because i didn't know what i was thinking or how i was feeling or anything not that there was anything bad Mm. but there's like some decisions i needed to make like podcast and other life stuff Mm. 
that as soon as I came like back to myself, like I have great conversations with everyone, everyone has the best intentions, but I always need to come to me to be like, what is it I want? Mm. And then when you never have that time, you never know. And then that's when it becomes a spillover ripple effect because you're not having that time. And I've already been in a relationship. The number one person in that relationship is you. Mm. Meaning from either party. So I'm the number one in my life. But you're a very intentional person, do you understand? Like you're very, and your inner compass is very strong. You know, like I've always said this to you. You're very intentional about the energy that you choose to surround yourself with. Mm. You're very intentional about the way you want your life to look. And you're also very intentional about you. Like you know yourself really, really, really well. I don't think many people do the self-work that you do on you. Mm. That is why your personal time is so important to you. There are people that don't know how to spend time by themselves. Mm. Like me and you will easily read in a restaurant by ourselves. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't... I won't die. No, I used to take myself away on weekends. Yes, I I take myself out all the time. I mm. enjoy my own company, and I'm very I'm very intentional about it. But there are people that if you were to say to them, no, I just hang up by myself. I went reading in a restaurant. Like that's a foreign concept to them. Yeah, no, I know. And they'll be like, what? You ate by yourself? You know? Who well, says the one who doesn't like to eat dinner alone? First of all, ah. Uh-uh. Food doesn't taste nice if it's just me. That like that I made. Let's put context. I can eat in a restaurant by myself. That doesn't bother me. But if I made food, like because cooking for me is a love language, right? Yeah. It's not that I don't love myself. I love me very much. Let's be clear. But I can't. I'm used to cooking for my siblings, mm-hmm. right? And then us talking, us sharing. That's a bonding moment for me. Like I love cooking for them. Um, I love how they shade me if things don't work out on a recipe, but I don't want to cook for myself. Yeah. So I struggle to eat if there's no one around. I just won't eat supper. It's not a good idea to skip meals. No, but it's not a good idea at all. I'll have lunch. I'll have a big lunch at work, you know, because there's people around. I'll be talking, you know. But it'd be what it'd be. It'd be what it'd be. The reason why I always wanted you on and for us to do something is because our conversations are hilarious. No, but they also brought so much stuff so we literally do talk about life in black and white mm. quite literally because i mean we met at redham a very prolific predominantly white mm. school especially in cape town because the German one looks different does it yeah it does okay and then we met was also through dancing yeah well bianca's dance it's still one of my favorite dances of my time Mine bianca too. carasini probably not ever going to see this will send it directly to you. But it literally was one of my favorite dances of all time. It was, what else? It was about um, demons. No, it was about night terrors. Yes. Uh, what's that condition called when you have like, was it night terrors? It is night terrors, yeah. So it's, it's about night terrors and like waking up in the middle of the night, literally with night terrors, as if like something's on your chest and you can't breathe. Mm. Seeps and I were these like demon things from the night. Who else is in it? Then there was one girl who played like the innocent it was it was me you, Taylor 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 wasn't in it was it Amy it was Amy with the beautiful and voice Julia Julia I don't think you Taylor no because you dance for Taylor as well don't you I don't remember but yeah so then Amy was the innocent one and we were literally like these creatures with, remember with our mo- oh with our gosh, black makeup. eye makeup yeah. and these like full on black outfits, slick back hair and we would dance like this the whole time. 
was it black makeup? Let's just scare that poor girl. Like, especially she literally got fights. She yeah. screamed the one time. Yeah, yeah. And it's because, remember, there was that one moment where we, like, going like this. Yeah. And then we went like this and just smudged our makeup I down. Remember, I remember. It was crying and you standing like this. And the whole movement was very... Mm-hmm. It was so good, though. But I think, like, because I would I would We got so into it. Remember, I had a little solo moment where I was the one terrorizing. Yes. Was my favorite. Yes. <laughs> Can I tell you the first time I saw you at school? It was when you were doing hip-hop with... What's his name? Starts with a K. Kifa. Kifa. I might be like, who is this chick? Like, she's so cool. And your hair was short. Yes, it was grade nine. Yeah, she still had like a little bitty bob. Oh, bob. Yeah, and then um, when we did Bianca's dance, and then like, I feel like it was like love at first sight. Yeah, it was pretty much love at first sight. Yeah, yeah. And then do you remember when all, me, you, and Bianca all danced for Kayla? Mm. Also, heavy topic. Yeah. It was like, you were like a crack war. I forgot about that. We were we even went to um Kayla's house. Yeah. Oh, that's when I met her mom. Yes. How did I forget about that? I don't know. That's what made me unlocked. And then I think I was I was a drug addict, you were the prostitute. (laughs) I because I was wearing an oversized shirt. And Bianca was the gangster. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember? I actually do remember now. Um, I forgot about that. That's interesting. Oh, no, no. High school's such a weird time. It also just makes me think about, because we, we spoke about this last night, Gossip Girl, how dramatic everything is. And mm. we're just like, oh my God, like, why? Why are we like this? And then I was just thinking, we were that dramatic in high school, though. So this Gossip Girl series is not overly dramatic. It is overly dramatic. It is, but it also, like, I find that with a lot of series, you your expectations about going into adulthood are so warped because in your mind, you're going to have it all figured out by 25. Mm-hmm. Adulthood is a fallacy. It is. Because I, I we were ever led to believe that we we want this. <laughs> no, I spiraled into, like, a mad depression when I turned 25. Oh, my gosh. The quarter-life crisis, so did I. I also, oh, I mind spirals. Yeah. And then it just makes me sad when I see people who are younger, like 22, and they really want to have all their shit figured out. I'm like, I'm 28. I don't even have my shit figured out. Bro, I'm 30. I've just started my career. Like, I, because if you think about it, you have this idea when you leave school about what you're going to do, and yeah. you get so attached and fixed to it. I thought I was going to go into public relations. Bro, I was going to be a performer. Like, that's all I wanted to do. Well, you did study performing arts at Yeah, that's all I wanted to do. And then the acceptance of, one, performing artists don't get paid enough. Like, the amount of money I was getting from doing stage work was depressing, bruh. But then I also remember you didn't have stories also going to these castings and stuff or doing shoots. They don't have the right makeup for you and your skin. That's another topic that we need to unpack that at some point. Um, I've, it needs Sia. We need to invite Sia for that conversation. Because yeah. um, that's how I met Sia on a pep. Because you would have commercial. to do your own makeup. I didn't do my own makeup. No. no. Um, there was one shoot that I did with that girl. I don't know. She got very excited with that foundation. Hey, I started looking like a corpse. Like it was. It's white and mean. Yeah, like it was, it was, it was a bit intense, but like that's another conversation. It was very similar in dance as well, like where tights are not skin yes. tone, you know, but tights are all tan colored, but it says skin color. Yeah, like tan color for you, but not for me. Yeah, but also skin color only being one color. But like I said, that's don't another black topic. tights now though, like um, well, brown tights for right. people. Yeah, not here though. It's not like readily available here really? in our country. Still, I don't think so. Those things get imported. 
because even when I was dancing, I didn't stop that long ago. It was ten years ago. Ten years is kind of a long time. Oh my god. <laughs> Ten years ago, when you were twenty. How oh, I'm old. I'm so old. No, I stopped dancing at twenty-four. Okay, so six years. Six years ago. You and your dates. What was it last night? You also said like nine years math. ago, and it was ten. I'm kind of mad. You Let's just not judge each other here. Friends don't judge. Where I was going to with this before we unpack that conversation because that needs that needs more people and a whole panel actually, but. What I thought my life would look like at 20 and 19 and 18 versus what it looks like now is completely different. What did you think your life was going to look like? I thought I would be at some, I don't know where I got this idea from, but I wanted to to join this Brazilian dance company. I can't even remember what the name was because I wanted to do neoclassical work. Mm. Like, I, like yes, because that was my life. Um, and I wanted to do neoclassical work and I couldn't get myself out of the idea of that, right? And then it didn't happen. So I worked in a shop for a long time. Yeah, I remember that shop. Yeah. You like, worked there a long time. Bro, the depression that that shop bought me Friend, can I, let me put it into context for you. So like when Tutu leaves, goes to London, Lolly leaves, goes to Israel. Every year they'd come back. They wouldn't even phone me. It got to a point where they wouldn't phone me to ask me where I was. They would just arrive. At the shop. At the shop. But what that said to me was I wasn't mm. making any progress. Mm. Like to me, it was like I was stuck in, I was stuck in one time loop. Yeah. Right. Like I'm constantly running. Like running. Running. Yes. And I'm in one destination, but their lives are moving, not knowing that they're dealing with their own shit, but I can't focus on your shit. I can only focus on my shit. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, so for me, that really marked, like, it felt like failure for me. Yeah. And then I turned 25. I was like, I'm still in this effing shop. Like, bro, I cried on my 25th birthday. Yeah. And to feel like that, that quarter life crisis where you just feel as though you're a failure. I imagined at 25, I would be living on my own, in my own apartment. Mm. And the fact that I wasn't there, I was so unhappy with myself mm. that I was just not a nice person to my mum. And it still kills me. But oh, like, friend. We had a very big DMC the one time because mm. I realized that it was me who was unhappy with me. Mm. And I just, I figured I was going to be on my own. <laughs> you know, when we're younger, we will all think we'll probably have met our spouse by 25 yeah. years old. And then we're going to, we're on our way to being engaged and married. Well, look, in Pretoria, those white picket fences, people getting married at like 22, popping out kids 25. So that reality is not too far off if you're from Pretoria. But people in my grade started getting married. So like all the engagements started happening at 25. I hadn't really, I was still in a horrible relationship because I think I spent most of my 20s in, in relationship yeah, as well. That also added to my depression as well. Like Yeah, that one that you were with, oh my God. I never saw you because of that. I hardly saw you yeah, because but, of that. Yeah, but it would was, be about three times a year. That's true. And then you moved to London. Yes, and then I moved to England. Um, and then you came back. I think that's when things really like, you know, like took off again. Because there was that period where we weren't speaking. Well, we were talking when I was in London. But not as frequently though, friend. I still remember listening to voice notes while I was waiting at the train station where you were talking to me about your gig. I remember that as clear as day. Really? Mm. Also, one thing about me and Knickknack, our voice notes are like series length. No, it is a podcast in itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Seeps will send me one time. 20 minutes. Yeah, but it wasn't a full <laughs> 20 minute voice note. It was like 10 minutes, 
five minutes, five minutes, and you or like three minutes too, and all then you're like, oh no, this is too long, and you send it, but it's yeah, all, yeah, all yeah, accumulated yeah. to twenty minutes. You do the same thing though. Oh, I've never sent twenty minutes. Traffic in traffic, she'll send me a voice note when she is stuck in traffic. Also, she's got an alter ego. Hmm. <laughs> when I drive. I rage, road rage is a real thing. I'm not alone. I know a lot of people have road rage. It's a thing. But going to back, sympathetic. <laughs> I'm sympathetic. But going back on topic, like yes. where where we are, where I am now is not where I thought I'd be yeah. um, at 18. But do you also think now, kind of where we are hoping to be in the next five years, then it's probably not going to be there. But it's, I think it's because one pressure and how much pressure social media puts on you to have it all figured out. Like, it's actually unrealistic. But when you're at 18, why are we putting so much pressure on ourselves at that age? I don't know. I will agree with you. I think it's social media. But at 18, how, I mean, I still think it's so so bizarre that at 18, you have to figure out your career that you want to do for the rest of your life, like study. Mm-hmm. at that age mm-hmm. and decide what it is you've never even been in the working world you don't know what it would be like to be an accountant or mm-hmm. a lawyer you just see what's on tv and you watch suits and you think oh cool mike ross is about do you know what i mean well actually just going back to gossip girl and like how tv is such an influence and media is such a big influence on our lives i would watch generations for those of you who don't know it was a soapy on acbc1 it came on every day monday to friday and Listen, Generations had everybody in a chokehold. It was very entertaining. Love all those actors. They were amazing. But it was basically about a family who had an advertising firm. It was all Black-owned. And it was just Black excellence showing up every day. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to wear like a power suit and go to work and sit in the boardroom and like debate all this gibberish that I don't know what they're talking about, right? And where am I now? I work in corporate. Yeah. yeah, but you were, so at 20, you said you were thinking you were going to be a performer and then you yeah. were stuck in this shop. I was stuck in this flipping shop and then left the shop for another shop. Um, a bigger shop, it had a warehouse. That had a warehouse. Um, that needs alcohol. Um, <laughs> you are called that needs alcohol, but your, your gifts will always make room for you because mm-hmm. how I ended up where I am now was because of my performing arts background because I did a voiceover for the company that I work for now and that's how I ended up where I am now. Yeah, it just makes me think because obviously we talk about on the podcast about normalizing failures that, you know, when you're 25, you think you're like the biggest failure because you're not Whoa. where you wanted to be. You had this whole plan. I remember I used to argue with my mum because my mum had me when she was 24. Mm. When I was younger, I can't remember how, but I told my mum, I'm going to have a kid at 24. She said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. But it's too young. Girl, a baby at my age is teenage pregnancy. What do you mean? And then I was like, fine, 26. She said, no, it's still too young. Mm. I said, 28, no, it's still too young. And I said, this, she goes, that's okay. We can... We'll see. Mm. <laughs> what do you mm. mean? And then now knows best. Yeah, I'm nearly 30 and I'm like, mm, I still wait sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yes. My colleagues tell me all the time. I want to finally have her first child at 36. She was like, you've had time. Oh, wow. 36 is quite late though. Because you also hear that pregnancy later on is quite dangerous as well. Mm. 
But I think do what makes you happy and what you're what you're ready for. Because currently, right now, how my life is set up, I'm not ready for no child. Whereas, mm-hmm. alternately, an eighteen year eighteen year old me was like, I'd be a mom and a wife. You thought you had to figure it out? Yes, I thought my shit would be figured out. But like, mm-hmm. I'm figuring my shit out as I go along and making it up as I go along. I think that's what when you go through that quarter life crisis at twenty five, you realize that. You're just gonna have to figure it as you go along. Yeah, you have to go through those dark times. Yeah, and also you're your own worst enemy because mm-hmm. you're measuring success against someone that you've never met. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know their struggles, right? Because yeah. social media is a lie. Like it's you go through, real. exactly, you go through all our pages. It looks like no one has struggled a day in their lives. You know, I look like a rich bitch, right? I'm a rich bitch you in progress. Money. I am money in progress. You know, yes. manifesting that shit. But it looks like no one has their ideas. It looks like no one. But also, like I've thought about that as one. Well, I think do you. It's. Do you also want to see other people in their like bad days and like crying? Oh, it makes it more real. Yeah, I would. I would love to. I think for me, I feel like it's just more realistic. So I read a lot of Brene Brown, and she talks about vulnerability. Mm. So when you, you know, you're upset or in a dark space, you're so vulnerable. So to put something like that on social media, you're exposing that vulnerability. So I don't know, I just feel there's also kind of a time and place to do it or how to approach it because she also talks about that. It's not like, you know, it's not doing it for, you have to think about what the intention is. Mm. And are you doing it for attention mm. or not? I understand what you mean by be, it being real. Mm. But then again, it's like, but how many pages do you follow that are authentic? I'll give you an example. Our mutual friend, Sash, mm. right? I really enjoy Sash's content. Yeah. Like genuinely. I like how wholesome it is. Yeah. Like it's her struggle in real time. She's very vulnerable on social yeah. media. It's not she's not telling you everything. You don't yeah. know the ins and outs and the nooks and the crannies, but you're just seeing someone trying to figure, figure trying to figure out their life yeah. as much as they can. And sharing some of the elements that she feels that she's a failure in because failure again is relative right yeah. to you and your expectations yeah because we kind of benchmark that as well you know and then failure to that 18 year old that you speak to like my 18 year old self will look at me now and be like girl if you could go back to your 18 year old self now and tell her something what would bitch. you say Slap her first. Yo, I was slapped out of her hair. She was very reckless. <laughs> Were you all reckless at 18? Crow no. <laughs> Yo, it's I'd slap her, but I'd also take a bit I'd take a lot more of her braveness. Because I was very brave at 18. Like I had the heart of a lion, legit. But I'd be like, sweetie you are still going to go through the most and you need to be okay with the ebbs and flows of life. Like my mom always says, if it's up, it's going to go down. And I think mm. what goes up must come down. It must come down. If you're going through that season of, of happiness, like, and it's continuous, I saw someone who put it so happily. They were like, prepare yourself for the failure. Cause when you're in that, that, that beautiful moment of apnea, mm. you get so caught up in that up when the down comes, you get down a row because you weren't preparing down a row. It's true though. It's not like don't enjoy the moment, but also know that nothing lasts forever because mm. your happiness, your, your expectations of happiness are going to change. That comes to being present though. Yes. Because also in, um, 
Daring Greatly, she talks about that where she used to live in that whole perpetual cycle where it's like, oh my God, things are really going wrong. Something, something's going to happen. And then you live in this constant fear that something bad is going to happen. No, that's not what I mean. I mean that you just need to prepare yourself. Well, life is going to turn, friend. And it's not to say that something bad's going to happen or you have an expectation of the bad. But like, it's like, you know, like, you know, the sun is going to set today at mm. some point, right? And you know, tomorrow is going to be like, the sun is going to come up again. Mm. It's just that life does. Mm. Like, it's you being okay with the, it's you being okay with the fact when life, when life does, you'll be okay. You've just readied yourself and your back and your heart. You know what I mean? Mm. That, that's where it's at. I think we have to bring this to a close, but I don't know. I think we just keep them cut because I don't know how to do the sign off. Bye. Thanks. Like, how do we end off the conversation?